Welcome to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Nathan is a certified holistic cancer coach, 20-time award-winning documentary filmmaker, competitive CrossFit athlete, and best-selling author of Becoming Cancer-Free. With nearly two decades in independent natural health research and education, Nathan shares his top solutions for preventing and overcoming disease while optimizing health and improving human performance. Each week, Nathan brings on highly renowned experts to share natural and holistic health science, strategies, and breakthroughs for living your healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilling life. And now, here's Nathan Crane. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm super excited. I have my good friend here, Dr. Michael Carl Felt. Michael is a naturopathic oncologist. He is the author of the book, A Better Way to Treat Cancer. And he is the founder of the Carl Felt Center, uh, which is in Idaho, where they have some of the most leading edge treatments and technologies in integrative medicine for cancer primarily, but they work with uh, patients with all kinds of chronic illnesses. Michael, my friend, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I'm excited for this conversation. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's always so cool to chat with you, you know, about anything. <laughs> so this would be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I was, I was actually really curious. I don't know if I've asked, ever asked you this. Um, what is one of the, like, most crazy, unbelievable, miraculous healings that you've seen from any patients that you've ever worked with, something that comes to mind, whether it's cancer or anything else. Someone came in to your clinic and maybe they had no hope. Maybe they were told by other doctors, there's nothing we can do for you. You know, maybe they had a stage three or stage four cancer, whatever it is, something that comes to mind with a patient that you've worked with over the years that just seemed almost impossible, but they had a miraculous recovery. Do you have any any case studies like that that you can think of? Yeah, there, there are a couple of things. I mean, one one is, and and I I have told this story a number of times, but it, it's such a cool story. You had a, a patient glioblastoma. You know, she'd been pretreated. You know, surgeries, radiation, done chemo, and she she came to me, and and I mean, she wasn't able to pick anything up you know, off the floor, she wasn't able to really do anything. I mean, barely could walk. And uh, so we, we did, uh, we did some therapies, you know, the first day, uh, we did uh, actually some stem cell therapy on her along with, you know, some of uh, the other therapies that I do. And uh, the next day, you know, she reported, I was, I'm able to kind of easily pick things off the floor. I'm able to walk fine. And, and I mean, it's like from one day to another, it's like a completely different person. And she, you know, later on, just kind of was able to get full function back and enjoying life, you know, uh, hiking foothills. And, and she, she was doing great. Yeah. You know? So, so that, that was one cool story. Another cool story. I actually saw uh, this, this patient's wife earlier today. Uh, so it kind of reminds me of this story. Uh, he came to me, you know, wheelchair bound, uh, was not able to hold on to anything. Yeah, he could speak, but he had really no function below his neck. Uh, and the, the doctors really didn't know what it was. You know, they, they could throw out terms like ALS and, and, you know, but they really, he hadn't been fully diagnosed with something and it was a sudden onset. Yeah. It, it just all of a sudden hit him. And so we, 
we we started doing you know therapies with him you know you know starting to pull out heavy metals you know work on infections you know support the nervous system bring in peptides uh and uh and now so this this was a year ago uh that this was taking place and now this uh uh this January, yeah, he's gonna go on a cruise with his wife. You know, he's fully functioning. He's driving. He's, uh, uh, yeah. So it's really cool when you see those those things. And and what's interesting, she was telling me today, is that she he had a friend that was in the same situation uh, that did not do you know the type of therapies that we do here. You know, more of integrative medicine. And and he's now dead. Yeah. And and this this gentleman is uh, instead of having that fate, uh, he's going on a cruise in January. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So those those are some cool stories that you get to be part of, and 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 it's always fascinating how the body works. Is that you can't just say that yeah I did this and this is going to work for everybody, uh, but it it becomes like a mystery, and you start to kind of you start you know pull one thread and you start to unravel it. And uh, the body then starts to regain its its energy, and they use that energy then for repair, for detoxification, for regeneration, and and then lo and behold, you know the body starts coming out and and feeling good and functional, and and uh, because a body wants to be healthy, a body wants to heal. Right. You, know, you just got to remove the things that are interfering it. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I think that shifted in my mindset probably 15 plus years ago was realizing that our bodies are designed to heal and regenerate and thrive, right? That's what they're designed to do. That's what they want to do. You know, you cut your, the simple analogy, you cut your finger and if it's not too deep, you don't really have to do anything, uh, not even a bandaid in most cases, and it will completely repair and heal itself. And you've done nothing to it. Now you cut it really deep you know, you might need to bandage it up or stitch it or whatever. But again, it's going to heal itself. You don't actually heal it. Nobody heals it. The doctor who gave you stitches didn't heal it, right? It's the body given the right circumstances that heals itself. And now let's say you're, you have that same cut, but you are exposed to a lot of pathogens and your immune system is weak. And, you know, you're in an environment where that, gets infected and becomes gangrene and starts to spread up your arm, now your body can't heal itself. And what is that? Does that mean your body wasn't designed to heal? No, it means that the environment in which you were in, your body was in, your, your cells are in, your blood is in, is not the best and most conducive environment for your finger or your hand to heal itself. And so it really comes down to environment, as I know you know, and you teach a lot about, is not only internal environment, but external environment, right? That when we get control, when we understand what causes disease internally and externally, and then we start to make those changes to our internal and external environment, then our bodies are significantly more empowered to heal and to thrive, right? Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning into this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book, absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal, but cancer prevention, 
go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's always a balance as a doctor. Yeah, because you, we, we always want to step in and fix things. But a lot of times, you know, you, you, you almost like to kind of know when to just step away and let the body do its thing. Um, but in that scenario, obviously, you have a, a situation where uh, the, the body is just overtaken. It's just kind of the, the environmental factor, the internal factors are just too much. And so then now you need to step in and bring in tools that can then give life force you know, to the body, remove the stressors, support the body's ability to remove those stressors. And then, and, and then kind of know when it's the appropriate time to then slow down with that and, and then let the body do its thing. Yeah, medically, yeah, we, we use, you know, we use pharmaceuticals and, and we recognize pharmaceuticals, they, they have their place, but it's important to understand that they don't cure anything. You know, there's, there's nothing that it cures. You know, frequently what it does is that it, it just kind of interferes with the normal physiological function to sometimes give the body the space to be able to kind of figure things out. But at the end of the day, it is not going to drive the intelligence of the body to fix itself, give nutrients to the body to be able to correct you know, what's going on. It just kind of controls symptoms, but at the same time, it's important then to look at the underlying factor to address those. You know, and obviously, you know, you know, you, you and I focus a lot on cancer, and and cancer is just one of those things. We recognize that the body's come to a place where it's going to need some additional assistance, and then you need to step in and see what that is and start to unravel that. Uh, but at the same time, make sure that you want to honor the intelligence and the immune system of, of the body and work with it instead of against it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you watch uh, JP Sears's channel at all? I, I do. Yeah, he's, 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 he's awesome. He's <laughs> Did you see his recent video about the, it's like the patient who's meeting with the doctor and, uh, and he keeps I, prescribing I him all these things? I, I haven't, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, I want to I want to I want to show something here because this is uh, uh, this speaks perfectly. Actually, you know what? I need to do something else. This speaks perfectly to what you were just saying. I just watched this. I think yesterday or a couple of days ago, um, and it's hilarious. You're gonna get a kick out of this. So I'm not gonna play the whole video, but there's this part in here. It's called getting dumber and weaker by the fun. day. Let me just write that in your chart. No fun. There you go. And uh, I've also been feeling a little lethargic. Okay. Have you been doing any exercise? No, but I know I should. No, 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 no. New science has actually proven that exercise is bad for you. Okay. It's nothing but far right extremism. That doesn't sound right. You know the old saying, right? Science works in mysterious ways. I don't think that's the same. <laughs> Here is a prescription for Adderall. What's that do? Well, it gives you a lot more energy and helps kind of increase your heart rate, which gives you a lot of the benefits of exercise without the extremism. What else you got? Yeah, I mean, it's nothing, but I did sprain my ankle a couple weeks back, but the pain's mostly gone. Okay, this is serious. You're gonna want to take this immediately. What's this? That's an opioid prescription to make sure you no longer feel your ankles. Aren't those super <laughs> addictive? Luckily, yes. Why is that luckily? 
Well, it helps people be consistent with taking their medication. But you're sure it's safe? In six months, your life will be completely transformed. Any other medical issues you're having? <laughs> it's a, if, if, for those who are watching or listening, if you haven't seen that whole video, go watch it because it's it's sad how funny it is because, it, you know, obviously it's an extreme example, but how true so much of this is to, to your point where you just said, you know, um, there, there can be a time and place for uh, pharmaceuticals, for you know, various prescriptions to support maybe for a you know, limited amount of time, in my opinion, a time and place. But we know, you know the overprescription of people in this country. We know the significant addiction that people have gotten on opioids. We know, as you said, that pharmaceuticals in most cases almost you know, 100% of the time, they're not actually curing anything. They are going after the symptoms or symptom management. Um, they might be attacking a virus or a bacteria or something, but it doesn't mean they're actually getting to the root cause of what's allowed that, uh, whether it's a pathogen, it's a chronic disease, whatever it is, it's not getting to the root cause or looking at the environment that's allowed that to take root in your body. And anyway, that video is hilarious. You got to you got to go watch the rest of it. It's it's funny. It's also sad, though. I mean, it's yeah, funny that, and it's sad because that's, you know, the reality that we live in today. And, and, and that is you know, the danger, the power of the prescription pad, exactly what he's doing. Uh, they they make a quick judgment uh, based upon just a few pieces of information without looking at the, the totality of the individual because they only have a few minutes to interact with the patient. So they within those few minutes, they get assessed to see what's going on and then throw something at the patient. A lot of times, you know, the 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 patient is expecting a pharmaceutical and the doctor knows that and feels like they haven't done anything if they haven't given them a pharmaceutical, which in reality is that, you know, like we're saying, it's suppressing normal function of the body. So if we take, for instance, you know, omeprazole, you know, an acid blocker. Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life at healinglife.net you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors and survivors, exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at healinglife.net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So... I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net, and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, so here you have somebody dealing with you know, acid reflux. So you know, let's suppress that. But in reality, it's a symptom of something else going on. Maybe we're eating too much sugar, white flour, 
maybe we're too stressed and we're not producing enough hydrochloric acid. So in reality, acid, you know, acid reflux is, is usually a sign of that you're not producing enough. So now you're putting a damper on a normal physiological function. So now you are then depriving yourself of being able to digest your protein. You're depriving yourself of being able to absorb the minerals in your food. Uh, and so now you have this, this undigested food that goes further into your intestinal tract. And because it is undigested, it starts to putrefy, it goes rancid, it starts to ferment. And now you're dealing with more issues. So now, lo and behold, now you're dealing with you know, like uh, IBS or IBD, or, you know, maybe goes even further to Crohn's or colitis. And now you get to go on a prednisone or steroids. So you just kind of do layer upon layer of, of suppressing normal physiological function. When in reality, if you would have taken a little bit extra time and looked at why is this going on uh, and unravel the root cause and address that, then we don't go down this rabbit hole and then end up on what I call the American death ritual. You know, we take one pill, you know, and it just layer upon layer until finally, you know, it, your, your body can't compensate anymore. And, you know, it, it, it gives out. Yeah. Dr. Lodi calls it the myth of disease, which is this, this myth that we have this disease that has to be, you know, attacked or treated like, um, high blood pressure, for example, you know, your example, there's acid reflux was perfect. You know, high blood pressure is another good one. People think, oh, high blood pressure is bad. So let's attack the blood pressure. We got to lower the blood pressure. So we're actually going to give you drugs to try and, you know, thin the blood to try and lower the blood pressure. When in reality, the blood pressure, the increased blood pressure is your body's physiological, natural, uh, functional, approach response to most likely clogged arteries. So it's got to increase the pressure to be able to distribute the blood throughout your body, distribute the nutrients to where it needs to go. And so your body is actually responding to the environment that is, has been created within, usually by our lifestyle choices and dietary choices, right? And so rather than going after, all right, what's causing the body to have this high blood pressure, what's blocking, maybe there's some blockage in the arteries, maybe there's you know, too much saturated fat in the diet, maybe there's something that's actually at the root of this that we could try and find out. We just write, you know, doctors just write a prescription to try and lower the blood pressure, and guess what? Well, five years later, eight years later, 10 years later, uh, you, know, you have a heart attack, and that's what we're seeing, heart disease, the number one disease, the number one killer in America which we know that most heart disease, most heart attacks can be prevented with a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what people are told. They're just told to take some medications and, uh, and then they wait until they have a heart attack, you know, which is, in my opinion, not any way to approach health. To me, that's not health care at all. That's sick care. Yeah, and, and kind of to go along with that, I mean, we know, you know, brain requires about 30% of our energy production. So, you know, we need a certain pressure to be able to get blood and nutrients and oxygen to the brain. So if we are not, if, if the brain is not getting enough of that, then it needs to raise that pressure in order to be able to survive. And so if we then bring in things like blood pressure medication and the pressure is not strong enough, the brain is continually going to be malnourished. Yeah. You know, and uh, so 
what happens? Well, a malnourished brain obviously is going to start to degenerate and, and deteriorate. And, and now we have a pandemic of dementia and Alzheimer's. And uh, we're looking also, you, you talked about atherosclerosis and you can then bring in the cholesterol medication. You know, we know that the brain is mostly fat and cholesterol. You know, that, that is what it consists of. So if you bring in then cholesterol medication, then you're literally drying out the brain. So now you are drying out your brain you know, with your cholesterol medication, and then you are reducing the transport of oxygen and nutrients you know, to the brain you know, by you know, blood pressure medication. And now you start to wonder, you know, why am I forgetting things? You know, why uh, do I feel depressed? Why do I? Well, you're feeling depressed. Let's get you on an antidepressant. Yeah, so it, it, it's exactly what J.P. Sears is talking about, is that it becomes a layer upon layer, uh, and uh, instead of then fixing the root cause, which becomes you know, a key, and, and a lot of these different, different symptoms that we have, like high blood pressure. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. I want to take a quick second and let you know about something really special I recently updated I think uh, you might benefit greatly from something I think you might enjoy and want to take a look at. And it is my book called The Panacea Cleanse. It's a powerful 12-day plant-based detoxification and healing guide. It's already hit number one in four categories on Amazon. There's thousands of people that have done this cleanse, and I've read so many testimonials from it. Let me read you one really quick. Aaron said... I did the Panacea Cleanse and followed your instructions closely. I had amazing results. I stayed healthy while everyone around me, my kids and family, were getting very ill from a virus. I also lost some weight and my menstrual cycles are much less painful. I also don't have bad headaches anymore. Thanks for the information you put out. She's just one of thousands who have gained tremendous benefit from this cleanse. If you want to improve the quality of your life and your health, clean out your organs, clean out your digestive tract, help lose weight and burn fat, and basically give you more energy, help you feel alive, go check out The Panacea Cleanse, P-A-N-A-C-E-A, -A -A, The Panacea Cleanse on Amazon. It's like 12 bucks or something like that. And you can follow it day by day. It's got a recipe list. It's got a shopping list. It's got everything you need in there to follow this powerful cleanse. It took me about two years to create it. My wife and I have done it multiple times. It's been amazing in our own lives, and I'm happy to share it with you. So uh, go check it out if you're interested. The Panacea Cleanse. It's on Amazon. Thanks, and let's get back to the show. Is due to you know the body that's 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 trying to use its energy to be able to fix something that is wrong. And then, you know, going, I, I know, you know, we talked a little bit of, about cancer, and then that is uh, kind of one of the things that both you and I are very passionate about, you know, so it's the same thing with cancer. I mean, a cancer, a tumor, a cancer cell is when the environment has gone wrong and the body is trying to fix something that is, is going wrong. A cell is not getting the nutrients it's needed. It's too much toxins. There's, you know, the mitochondria is not appropriately is not getting the oxygen uh, and then it has to figure out a different way to survive so now it then goes into a other way to produce energy because it's not getting the raw material that it needs in order to 
be able to produce energy the normal way. So now it's shifting towards a fermentation. And this is not that the cell in itself has is doing something unintelligent. It is a survival mechanism, something that's hardwired in us. And we just need to kind of shift the environment so that these type of compensations does not need to take place. So I want to go back to acid reflux because you reminded me of personal experience with it when I was I think in my early 20s I had pretty bad acid reflux it was I would just get this burping and this uh, you know burning anyone who's ever had that kind of indigestion and acid reflux and that kind of you know uh, just belching and the and the burning all the time like I'd always have it um, either after eating or just multiple times a day and I went in and did a little bit of research, you know, and this was probably in 2000, somewhere between 2007, 2009, I think. And I was like, well, you know, what's causing this? And I found out that actually I wasn't producing enough acid. And so what most people do is avoid things that they would consider acidic, like apple cider vinegar or lemons or limes, when in fact, that's exactly what I learned that I needed more of. So, and kombucha, right, which is basically a vinegar, probiotic type of vinegar. And so I started making my own kombucha and I started drinking like a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar once or twice a day. And what was incredible about it is I would drink it, um, you know, I would like have massive acid, like it felt like acid reflux for about 20 seconds. And then I would have relief for like the rest of the day. And I was like, oh, I'm not getting those symptoms anymore. And in a pretty quick amount of time, I don't know if it was weeks or a couple of months, like all of a sudden I didn't have those acid reflux symptoms anymore. They went away as I was incorporating more quote unquote acidic type of food, you know, drinks into my diet, lemons, limes, apple cider vinegar, uh, kombucha. And since then to this day, and I don't drink it every day anymore. Um, I don't need to, I'm on a, you know, plant-based diet. I have low uh, acidic needs coming into my diet and i rarely rarely ever get any kind of like um acid you know reflux type of symptoms maybe once or twice a year maybe i'm eating out and it's just like i get a little bit of that but it's so rare now and it was interesting because i did i did that every day for maybe six months to a year and then never really needed it again so you know, I don't have a scientific explanation uh, other than my own personal case study and the research showing that when you bring more, you know, kind of these types of what we call acidic types of things in your body, it creates um, a bit more of an alkaline response in the body and reduces the need and demand for your body to produce excess acid right can you talk a little bit about that yeah so so what happens when you're digesting so you, you you need a certain ph in your stomach in order to be able to digest the food and and that's a low ph so it's like two something and so if let's say that you're under stress or you don't have the nutrients enough to be able to produce you know that stomach acid so it's going to take a little bit longer than to be able to kind of bring that acidity down and the food just kind of sits there and wait in the stomach until, you know, the, 
the pH level is low enough. And it, what happens is, so you have two valves you know, above, you have the cardiac valve above the stomach, you have the pyloric sphincter below the stomach. And so the, the valve, the pyloric sphincter below the stomach, it opens up only when the pH has reached its appropriate value. You know, so when it reaches two, then it opens up and then it, it moves on. So let's say it, it doesn't, let's say it just reaches three. So it just kind of sits there and then you know, it, the food's got to go somewhere because it can't really go down because the valve doesn't open up, then it starts to kind of bubble upwards. And yes, your stomach can handle, you know, P, you know, three, you know, pH three, esophagus cannot, you know, that that's when you're feeling, oh, this is really acidic. I got to get rid of this acidity. You know, let's take Tums, let's do, you know, Meprazole or, or something like that and thinking you're fixing it. But in reality, yes, you're, you're kind of helping the esophagus, but the stomach you're, you're not fixing in any shape or form. So the key is then to you know, support the production of acidity in your stomach to increase the transit time or yeah, to decrease the transit time you know, in the stomach so that it instead of just kind of sitting there bubbling up and then impacting the esophagus, that it actually moves downward. And by having enough acidity, you're then able to kind of break down the food and make it soft enough so that when you move into the next phase of your digestive, where you have your, you know, you have your bile coming in, you have the enzymes from your pancreas, and then the enzymes from your smaller intestines, you know, all of that comes in to start to work on the food. It's already done, so to say. I mean, it, it's really kind of pre-digested. Uh, if that has not happened, then, you know, one is going to take a lot of effort, you know, four is going to put a lot of stress on the pancreas. It's going to take a lot of stress on the intestinal lining. And that in itself triggers inflammation that in itself, you know, creates an inflammatory environment and acidic environment in that area. So actually by supporting the acidity in the stomach, you're increasing the alkalinity you know, as a next step. So it, it's just kind of a step-by-step -step process, you know, so that, that you're dealing with. Yeah. And it's so, it's so simple that you could take something like apple cider vinegar, you know, once a day for a certain amount of time, um, or drink kombucha a little bit each day, or, you know, add some lemons or limes to your diet and help support this process naturally and not necessarily have to go uh, and get on a prescription, which again, is that prescription getting to the root cause? Is it actually helping, um, you know, the, the acid production in your body, uh, or is it just masking symptoms? Yeah. And, and, and it's definitely just masking symptoms because you are setting yourself up for more failures, you know, later on for more disease, because I mean, the foundational thing is to be able to digest your food and to be able to utilize the nutrients in your food. And uh, otherwise that will then translate into kind of cellular dysfunction because the cells need that food. And if you're not able to get the nutrients to the cells and they're going to starve and they're going to be, uh, you're going to trigger, you know, again, cancer is one thing, but it, it can be a lot of things that can go on, go wrong there. Yeah. You know, autoimmunity, uh, any kind of inflammatory condition. You mentioned heavy metals being important to, to detox with your patients. You know, the research I've done over the years about cancer specifically in heavy metals 
uh, I've seen papers published that have shown uh, when they biopsy tumors, for example, that they find different kinds of heavy metals into tumors, whether it's cadmium or it's mercury or it's aluminum. Um, and there's a lot of papers that have come out of that, you know, starting to look at, okay, what is the relationship between heavy metals and cancer specifically? Is there a correlation or causation? Um, and I've interviewed, you know, hundreds of cancer doctors over the years, and many of them all, you know, many of them have stated that either when they test their cancer patients for heavy metals, pretty much all of their patients have some form of heavy metals that show up, or, um, or they believe that, you know, the heavy metals are direct, um, uh, directly associated with the cancer in their patients. What are your, you know, what are your thoughts around heavy metals? Well, I mean, heavy, heavy metals definitely, you know, play a huge role. And, and the, the reason I wrote my book, you know, a better way to treat cancer is that Cancer is such a complex and such a, uh, it, it's not a one thing that you can put, point your finger at. I mean, it is a cellular dysfunction. I was talking about like a survival mechanism, but there's so many things that can then add to the picture. And so that's why I, I wanted to create, you know, so people could understand the landscape that exists around cancer you know, the microtumor environment and the signaling that's taking place. And so what, what happens with cancer, and, and this happens kind of anytime you deal with a weak area of the body, is that, you know, infections, it, it's, it kind of becomes like the garbage dump of the body uh, where, you know, infectious agents, you know, tend to be, accumulate, where, you know, heavy metals, where chemicals, where fungus you know start to accumulate and there's a lot of talk about fungus actually being like the the cleanup crew you know due to heavy metals being there due to chemicals being there and so it's not really that the fungus in itself may be causing the cancer even though you know there there are some um kind of theories out now in regards showing kind of pathways how kind of fungal buds enter into the uh, into the cancer cells and how that uh, you know uh, impacts and the creation of mTOR and galactin three and and you know, dysfunction of the mitochondria. But from my point of view, I look upon it more kind of a simplistic. I look upon it kind of like a as a as a prison where you gather all the unwanted individuals, you know, and the same thing you have a you know kind of a a weak spot in the body, and so the body will kind of look upon that as a garbage dump and saying, hey, I don't want these toxins over here. That area is suffering anyway. You know, it's dysfunctional anyway. Let's just move the heavy metals there. Let's move the chemicals there. And and so that then ends up becoming the tumor. So the issue then when when people are thinking that, well, I, I just want to shrink the tumor. I just want to kill the tumor and just kind of make sure that it's going to disappear because we don't like the tumor. The tumor has a function, you know, and the function is that it's holding on to all this garbage. And so the, the key becomes, you know, how do we create an environment that is strong enough in the individual so we can start to open up that tumor and start to kind of slowly release those heavy metals and chemicals and pathogens that are there. Yeah, and, and so that the rest of the body can handle that. 
that becomes the key rather than just kind of blasting the tumor, allowing then all that, that, that hard work that the body has put forth to collect it into one location. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's, you know, right now, uh, we have a bunch of leaves on, on my lawn. <laughs> uh, actually, it's all cleaned up, but it's kind of like you, you kind of rake up all the leaves and you, you feel you've done a great job. Uh, and it's the same thing with the body. It's collected all these heavy metals, chemicals in one location. And now we want to kind of, we think that these piles of leaves are the issue. So we go with a leaf blower and we just blow them all over the place, you know? And so it's the same thing. We're destroying, we're blasting the tumor and now it's just blown all over the place. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of my, my thoughts. So heavy metals, yes. Chemicals, yes. Pathogens that come along with, yes. I mean, they, they all play a role. I was just pulling up an article from the Cleveland Clinic because I, I liked, I mean, this is really interesting, the kind of garbage dump theory, <laughs> we'll call it, where I don't know if there's if there's a scientific name for it, but where you were talking about the body's just kind of like, you know, dumping a lot of these toxins into that kind of tumor environment, potentially as a way to, you know, maybe get rid of them. I know there's controversy on both sides of that, but I uh, looked up, you know, tumor lysis syndrome um, from the Cleveland Clinic. And there is evidence that, uh, for example, you know, after cancer treatment, the tumors can release large amounts of these toxins into your bloodstream faster than your body can get rid of them, right? And they can affect your heart, kidneys, and muscles, it says. Um, uric acid can deposit uric acid crystals into your kidneys, causing kidney dysfunction, high amounts of phosphorus, uh, which can affect high potassium. So, you know, this is like a lot of um, minerals that are getting released, um, low calcium levels, but also don't they actually, can't they actually release toxins into the bloodstream as well from the tumor itself? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and another thing to consider as well, and uh, it, was, it was fascinating when I was talking to Thomas Seafrid yeah. you know, on the, the, the summit that I just did, um, that when you're then blasting the tumor or kind of getting rid of the tumor, you know, killing the tumor with chemo or whatever it may be, you have this kind of tumor debris that is then uh, that the tumor process or the cancer process, you know, can then use to reformulate tumors in other parts of the body, you know, to support then the uh, metastasis process, because you have all these building blocks that you kind of blast from one, and that uh, allows them for uh, kind of resurrection of smaller tumors in, in many other locations, because, you know, cause, you know the, the chemo in itself will trigger kind of inflammation, radiation will trigger inflammation. So it creates a more of an inflammatory environment that then drives the tumor process. And now you have a bunch of building materials that's freely available and uh, that can then spread throughout the body and uh, that the body then, uh, that kind of these, these signaling mechanisms can then promote then cancer to reformulate anywhere. Right. And then we know you know, in the literature that chemotherapy and radiation don't kill the cancer stem cells. And we know the cancer stem cells are a big part of metastasis of cancer. You know, if you don't get rid of the cancer stem cells, they can 
spread somewhere else in the body and start to formulate a new tumor. And very often when you see a recurrence of cancer, two years, three years, four years, five years, eight years later, um, it's probably most likely to the fact that the cancer stem cells uh, were not removed and they found another environment in the body that was perfect to take form. The immune system couldn't get rid of them. The drugs, chemotherapy, radiation didn't get rid of the stem cells and that cancer came back often with a vengeance. When I talk to cancer patients, that's kind of how they describe it. Uh, that, you know, they had a stage one or stage two removed. They didn't really change anything about themselves or their diet or whatever. And then three years later, it came back in it's stage four and it spread, you know, through lymphatic system, it spread to other organs. And now they're, you know, obviously very, very desperate. Yeah. And, and, and that is, that is a huge, huge component. And that's why it's so important. I mean, if somebody chooses to do chemo radiation, I'm, and I'm not saying that it never has a role and never you know plays a role or surgery. Um, if a person chooses to do that, you know, the importance to then uh, one, you know, look at why did it come there in the first place? You know, because the process just going after the tumor is not going to change the process that that created it to start with. So you 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 got to look at that, uh, and and that can be you know we're talking about heavy metals, we're talking about infections, but it can be emotional factors, it can be your belief system, it can be your spiritual connection, it can be you know traumas that happened a generation or two generations ago, and and you're. You know, you, you're, you know, out of your loving heart, you're holding on to that trauma for whatever happened, you know, a number of generations ago. So it can be a lot of different reasons, but it is important to start to do the detective work and try to figure out why did it happen in the first place? You know, so that that becomes number one. But then you also want to make sure in regards to the cancer stem cells, you want to make sure that you then bring in therapies and that will then help to calm these cancer stem cells down because you are with radiation, with chemo and with surgery, all three are going to aggravate them. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of like here, you're going after the daughter cells and the cancer stem cells, they're gonna think, what, what are you doing with my daughter cells? You know, I, I'm, I'm not very angry and I gotta produce more. Yeah, mm -hmm. so they, they kick in with their activity so we want to bring in then therapies, you know, like curcumin, you know, like uh, EGCG, like Boswellia, like, I mean, there's a lot of different tools uh, out there that helps to calm down the activity and the aggressiveness of the cancer stem cells. So that that's why, you know, anytime you do just traditional oncology, I mean, I, if you, you got to do integrative. I mean, you got to bring you know, the other tools down because otherwise, and we see it again and again, you know, secondary cancers, you know, in addition to uh, just cancers just coming back, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's inevitable. I know it's very satisfying when you are kind of seeing that initial tumor shrink or when it's gone. But but that's not the end of the story. And we see that again. So we got to change the script to have a different end of the story. And, and that's where, you know, things that, that you talk about, you know, that's in my book that I do here in my clinic uh, becomes really important. So staying on heavy metals, I know it's a big topic and a lot of people have questions about it. Um, we know some of the worst heavy metals we're exposed to are things like lead, mercury, 
arsenic, cadmium. Um, one of the ones that a lot of people don't think of is aluminum, you know, and, and not realizing the toxicity of aluminum. We know mercury is a carcinogen, but aluminum they haven't classified as a carcinogen yet, but we do know that it can cause kidney damage, that it can cause inflammation, that it can, um, you know, disrupt the immune system, that it is a, um, you know, neuroendocrine disruptor. Like there are a lot of nasty things about aluminum and yet people cook with aluminum every day with their pans. They drink out of aluminum water bottles. They're exposed to massive amounts of aluminum and these other heavy metals through the water that they drink if you're drinking tap water. We know there's heavy metals in tap water all around the country and all around the world if it's not being filtered properly. There's heavy metals in um, certain body care products, in fact. There's certain heavy metals um, in certain foods uh, that have been grown in really, uh, let's call it, infected soils with heavy metals. So, you know, I think number one with heavy metals is realizing how much more exposed we are to them than we realize. Number two is recognizing that they have serious consequences, long-term consequences on the body. You know, they mess with our hormone system. They can cause inflammation, even if they're not directly like aluminum is not directly um, associated with cancer in the literature. We know that it has mechanisms in the body that can lead to cancer, like causing chronic inflammation, for example, chronic inflammation is known as one of the underlying causes of cancer. Um, and so there's, there is correlation to cancer as well as other, you know, major health dysfunctions. So uh, when you're talking about uh, detoxing your patients with heavy metals, what are some of the things that you do to detox? What are your, what are things that people can do on their own to, you know, reduce heavy metal exposure and actually detox heavy metals from their body? Yeah, the, the, the key in regards to heavy metals, just to kind of add to your point, you know, so we, we look at cancer you know, as, as a metabolic disorder. So here you have the, the mitochondria, your engine, and then you throw heavy metals into that engine. It's kind of like, you know, pouring dirt in your gasoline. You know, so it is going to interfere with your ability to run that engine. Uh, so that, that becomes a causative factor in a way. Then also you have, if you are mineral deficient, uh, then the body will look, because uh, the body always produces enzymes, always produces tissue. You know, that's just its job. You know, it, it just always produce and create. So let's say you're deficient in very vital nutrients, like let's say zinc, you know, for instance. And so uh, zinc, you, you need it for about 50% of all your detox you know, enzymes. So, you know, now the body is needing to produce zinc or produce the enzyme, doesn't have the building material, the zinc, you know, that it needs. So now it's looking for the next best thing. Yeah. And that next best thing, if it's deficient, tends to become then the heavy metal. Yeah. You know, like then it, it, it's likely to pull in something like cadmium, yeah, you know, in, in, in lieu of zinc and then try to produce an enzyme you know, that looks kind of like what it should look like. Uh, but in reality, it's not very functional. And yes, you have then the, the heavy metal in there. And it does the same with tissue. With, you know, if you build you know, the cell wall membranes or you know, within a cell, you, you kind of bring in then the heavy metals you know, to try to fulfill functions you know, within that cell. But then the immune system you know, recognizes that 
hey, there's something foreign there. There's something that you know is not meant to be there. Uh, like you know, cadmium is not part of of a healthy body. It's not part of my tissue. So then it starts to then go after that cell, and and start to try to kill those type of cells. So let's say you know you have silver fillings, for instance, and every time you chew or you uh, drink something hot. You know, you will then have, you know, mercury, you know, that, you know, mostly it's in the silver filling start to then kind of migrate down. And then you have your thyroid right here and the thyroid then start to absorb, you know, thyroid requires a huge amount of minerals for its function. So it starts to then absorb, you know, these, this mercury in here. So the mercury starts to kind of settle in the tissue and, and, and thyroid and the immune system will then start to recognize seeing that. Hey, there's there's heavy metals, you know, right there, you know. So let's go after those cells and start to kind of hack away on the on the thyroid. And now you have then thyroid, you know, tissue that starts to then float around in the bloodstream because the immune system's gone after it and kind of uh, hacking away at it. And all of a sudden, you know, another part of the immune system sees that you know you got thyroid tissue floating around in the kidneys. Well, it's not supposed to be there. So let's go after thyroid tissue even more. And lo and behold, now you got Hashimoto's, you got Graves' disease, and it's the same kind of scenario that happens, you know, throughout the whole body. So that's why you know things like heavy metals and it is is a big big deal in autoimmunity, you know, cancer, and then so many different health conditions. In order to be able to address that, step number one is to prevent you know, these heavy metals to start to be incorporated into the tissue. And how do you do that? Well, you want to supply then the raw material that you need for the body to be able to function appropriately, repair appropriately, and produce the enzymes that it needs you know, on, on a continual basis. So that is step number one, anytime you do any kind of detoxification, because if you're going to start to move heavy metals out of the tissue, then you need to be able to place something in there. So you want to make sure you bring that raw material in, you know, and, you know, all the living foods, you know, have a huge amount of raw material, you know, they're full with nutrients, full, you know, with all the minerals that we need. And, and if you're very, deficient i mean you, you can run these different panels that we do and there are a lot of doctors that do you can kind of check and see kind of nutritional level of all these different minerals and you can see well i'm extremely deficient in this yes i'm going to bring in food that's rich in that but maybe i also need to take a supplement just to kind of push that a little bit further and move that process a little faster so that's kind of step number one that you want to do uh, step number two is that you want to make sure that you open your eliminatory pathways you, know, you want to make sure that if you are going to start to move toxins out of the system, you got to make sure that the exit pathways are open. Otherwise, you're just redecorating furniture. You know, you're moving it from one place to another because you're not able to get them out. So that you got kidneys, you got lungs, you got colon, you got skin. You know, those are your your four main exit pathways and females they're blessed with an additional and i think that's probably why they live longer you know because they're able to have a fifth way of detoxifying you know every month you know during their menses you know they get to kind of clear out a lot of toxic debris that way so that becomes step number one 
And uh, step number two then is that you can then bring in different tools that are known to help to kind of pull heavy metals or grab heavy metals. You know, you, you get things like, you know, zeolite, you got chlorella, you got cilantro, you got EDTA, uh, you get, you know, there, there's a huge amount of, of different ones out there, you know, that, that you can use. Uh, and they, they're all great, but you got to look at the other steps as well. So when you talk about opening the detox pathways, what are some things that people can consider uh, looking into and doing on their own? Yeah, so, you know, obviously skin, you want to sweat. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, saunas, uh, hot I baths. My, I got my sauna can... right, I got my sauna right there. And awesome. one of my Love favorite, it. one of my favorite things to do, you know, I right now I do it twice a week and I'll usually do 20 minutes and then 10 minutes or a few minutes in the cold, like either cold pool or my cold plunge and then 20 minutes or 25 minutes again. And I'll do that, you know, twice a week, like Thursdays and Sundays. I do it every day. Um, you know, if I, if, if I could fit it in, but the kind of minimum dose I have right now is twice a week, two sessions, uh, each, each day. And it is, one of my favorite things I look forward to, no matter what. <laughs> it's like, it's one of the most, I think it's one of the most healing things people can do, right? We know um, you're from, uh, you're from Sweden, right? Yeah, we yeah, know, I'm from Sweden, yeah, yes. Yeah, we know, we know in the Nordic countries, I mean, you can talk about this 10 times more than I can, but just the little research I've done on it, in the Nordic countries, you know, Finland, Sweden, uh, Norway, etc. like saunas are a staple in people's homes, right? And we know from the, nor the, the studies that have been done over there that people who sauna more often at higher temperatures, more days a week, live longer with less disease, with less all-cause mortality, are healthier in general. And uh, I mean, it's such a great feeling. Like I feel so amazing when I'm, you know, done doing the sauna. And there's a lot of neurological reasons for that, physiological reasons for that. Um, but people who don't have a sauna in their home, you know, you can go to the YMCA and use a sauna there. You can go to LA Fitness. A lot of LA Fitnesses have a sauna that you can use. Uh, a lot of local gyms, you can go use a sauna. I mean, 20 bucks a month in some cases, right? It's so worth it to add it in, you know, two or more days per week. It, it really makes a big difference. But to your point, it helps with detox as well. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, is awesome. And, and yeah, so one of the things that we used to do in, in Sweden, you know, you, you have sauna and then you, you have it close to like the, the ocean or, you know, it's so uh, winter time, you sit, you sit in the sauna, get really, really hot. And then you yeah, as young boys and you kind of run and most, you know, naked running quickly and just jumping into the ocean and kind of swim around as much as can. And then up in the sauna again, and you just kind of repeat that a number of times. And so, yeah, that, that was kind of like a little testosterone bravery thing, but the, the impact health wise that something like that has is tremendous. Uh, so it, it really upregulates your immune system function. You know, the sauna will help to kind of, it stimulates a vagus nerve, put you in that parasympathetic state, you know, where you're able then to detoxify better. You're able to regenerate better. And, uh, and then in addition to just kind of sweating, you know, getting the toxins out, you know, just through sweating, uh, it, it's such a powerful tool. I mean, we have 
all the skin surface you know, that the bloodstream can just pour, they can just move all these heavy metals and chemicals to and just kind of push it out of the skin. I mean, what an opportunity that you have to get rid of all these toxic debris that you're exposed to every day. And also all the toxins that produce just from normal cellular function. You know, you know, our cells are like car engines. You know, you pour gas in and then it, it has exhaust. You know, we want to get rid of the exhaust and, you know, skin is a fantastic way to do that. Um, another way is, you know, through you know, these Epsom salt baths, you know, it, it's a powerful tool. You, you for 20 minutes, you, you kind of do the water as hot as you can handle, you know, pour a cup of Epsom salt. You can also do a cup of, of uh, baking soda. And uh, with the Epsom salt being there, you create kind of a, uh, through osmotic pressure, you know, because you have more salt than in the water outside of you than what is inside the blood. Yeah, you know, so then you will start to kind of move toxins into the water, uh, in addition to the calming effect just of the Epsom salt and the alkalizing effect of the of the baking soda. Uh, so, and you want to do that for twenty minutes, as hot as you can handle. And you can also another kind of little biohack trick is to drink yarrow tea, and you want to drink a quart of yarrow tea for. Yeah, you know, while you're laying there, you want to do that as warm as you can handle as well, because you really want to bring up the temperature, and that will cause you to sweat, yeah, a lot when you're in the water. Uh, and you do that for 20 minutes. You want to don't want to do it more, uh, because during those 20 minutes, the body is is trying to cool itself uh, off, so it brings circulation to the skin surface, yeah, you know, and that's when it's dumping a lot of these uh, chemicals and heavy metals into the water. Uh, but after about 20 minutes, kind of recognizes that, hey, I'm not able to kind of cool myself off, you know, by being at the skin surface. So then the circulation start to kind of the blood start to move towards the organ and kind of crowd with that heat in the organ. So 20 minutes is usually the sweet spot. And then you just kind of rinse off with some water and then, and then, uh, and, and then you're done. Yeah. So, that, so this that's was, another kind of cool one. This was, this was a, you draw a hot bath. And you put uh -huh. Epsom salt for people who don't know Epsom with an M, like Mary, not an N. It's not the salt that you put on your food. Epsom with an M, by the way. You just have to clarify for people. <laughs> uh, and and also, did you uh, did you say baking soda as well or no? Yeah, yeah. You can throw. You, you can do, and and it just helps to kind of create the water, making it a little bit more alkaline. So then. Uh, acids can then move out of your system a little bit better how much so when i've done this over the years i usually do like um something like two or three no what do i do three maybe three cups of epsom salt and like a half cup to a cup of baking soda what did you give an amount i if you did i missed it what did you say for the amount I, or what do you I, recommend I usually yes yeah so if you want to kind of can I hit it if your muscles are more sore and, and you kind of need more of that relaxation, you can kind of increase the amount of, of Epsom salt. Uh, usually just for ease and, you know, so people can, you know, just like a cup of each. Okay. And, and that tends to be, tends to be, tends to be good. And the, and the yarrow tea. So you just get um, ideally fresh yarrow, but you could get dried yarrow too. Right. Um, Use yeah, the yeah. whole plant. Yeah, so dry yarrow, and, and usually you want to do at, at least two tablespoons of the dry herb, you know, per quart of water. 
and so you want to steep that so you, you turn the body and the uh, the water to boil turn it off you know put in the yarrow uh the you know yarrow herb and then let it sit there with the lid for about 10 minutes then you can strain it and if you want to sweeten it with a little bit of honey you can i was gonna say um, yarrow you know, is pretty bitter do you recommend it straight or sweeten it up <laughs> Usually, I, I have people do just a little bit of honey, you know, yeah, and and obviously get a good quality honey, you know, local, uh, raw, you know, is is always the better. Uh, so do a little bit of that, and and actually the honey will increase the delivery a little bit of the herb, yeah. You know, so it's not like yeah, it's it's going to be bad for you. Yeah, this is an awesome recommendation, especially for people who don't have a sauna, don't have access to a sauna, um, you know, heat hydrotherapy there's been some great studies on that as well it gets your body sweating and gets the circulation moving and get the toxins moving and gets them out um i mean that's what a great recommendation for people uh in addition to or in uh separate from the sauna protocols i have to i have to point out something because um if someone goes to google and says and types in like, hey, does sauna actually uh, sweat out toxins like heavy metals? For whatever reason, at least where I'm at in Florida, Google pulls up an article from National Geographic that says there's no evidence that supports that. But if you actually look into PubMed and you look into the published science and you look into even the National Institutes of, of, uh, of Health, well, actually, it's in PubMed. It's in, it's from, it's in, it's a, it's not from them. It's, sorry, let me correct that. It's published uh, in PubMed, which is part of NIH. It's not an NIH study, but it was a systematic review of studies on sauna and heavy metals. And they looked at a number of different studies. And I'm not going to go through this whole thing. People can go look it up on their own. But basically, what they found was things like, Mercury, um, things like, uh, where was it? Cadmium. Let me see. I'll just read it. In individuals with higher exposure or body burden, sweat generally exceeded plasma or urine concentrations and dermal could match or surpass urinary daily excretion. Arsenic dermal excretion was several fold higher in arsenic exposed individuals than in unexposed controls, meaning they found arsenic, you know, uh, in the sweat higher than in the urine, meaning it was coming out from the sauna. Cadmium was more concentrated in sweat than in blood plasma. Again, sauna, they found more cadmium in the sweat than in the blood of the person. Um, lead as well was associated with higher molecular weight molecules and interventional study levels were higher with endurance compared with intensive exercise. Same with mercury, said mercury levels normalized with repeated saunas in a case report. So again, there is uh, they also do say sweating. So here's what they say. And this is in the abstract. You can go also read the conclusion and then read the entire study for those who are interested. But sweating deserves consideration for toxic element detoxification. Research, including appropriately sized trials, is needed to establish safe, effective therapeutic protocols. So it's weird to me that uh, the first post in... Uh, Google is an article that basically dissuades people from saying there's evidence at all uh, around heavy metals being removed from the body through sweat. 
right? And then you can go right into PubMed right below that and find some studies that uh, are showing that that's exactly what happens. And yes, it does say we need more studies, we need more larger studies, et cetera, et cetera. But that's just like, it's, it just speaks to this really weird, almost seemingly nefarious thing that's going on with information today, why people are so confused about this kind of stuff. Because they'll go Google and they'll go look at the, or YouTube or wherever, and they'll look at the first post that comes up and goes, oh, what those guys said isn't true, right? It says right here on Google, Google told me. It's like, yeah, but look, I can show you in the, in the published literature that there is science that's showing this, and there are case reports. And, um, and yes, it may need more to, to validate it. Of course, that's what science is here for. But it doesn't mean there's no science. It doesn't mean that there's no evidence, right? Which is what they want you to believe. It just blows my mind that this happens not only for all the stuff we saw with the pandemic, but for something as simple and effective, like as helpful as, you know, taking a sauna, as sweating to help your body detox. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and yeah, because people that detox, they feel better <laughs> they're healthier <laughs> right and they, need, and they need less medication yeah so uh, and obviously the bottom line that that's not good for a business that sell medication so uh, so they would promote you know and they would say exactly like you know the jp sears you know that you know, you know don't exercise that's just you're just an extremist you know don't be such an extremist and uh, you know here take adderall instead and so, and it's the same with detoxification. Yeah, if if heavy metals were a big deal, and that would be highlighted, you know, people would start to kind of look and see where, well, where's the heavy metals coming from, and then they would analyze a lot of the different you know, behavior sets taking place in in the market and see you know, what's in, like you're saying, deodorants, you know, your silver fillings, you know, vaccines, you know. Uh, cloud seeding, uh, the you know, corn syrup cells, you know, when you know the the cells that they use for producing corn syrup, corn syrup with mercury in them, and you know, so they would look at all these or all the all these kind of light bulbs that we have now with with mercury in them, you know, all of that would be looked at and questioned, and uh, so they one they don't want that, and then two, you know, if we support the removal of these things. Uh, people would not be as depressed, you know, people would, you know, feel better, they would have less skin issues, uh, they would have less uh, inflammation, you know, so now you're, you're cutting into a lot of the different markets that uh, they make a lot of money in. And so, you know, for their own business desire, um, that's important to understand. I mean, so these people, the pharmaceutical companies, these are businesses, they're not People sitting there thinking that, you know, I want to save the world. They're thinking at, you know, how am I going to make sure that our you know, shareholders are happy? You know, how can we increase profit? You know, what do we need to do? You know, all of these things are, are decisions they're making. And so it's just, un it's, if you understand that these are businesses, you know, pharmaceutical companies are businesses, you know, they are going to, you know, create science that support their own products. And they're going to suppress things that are not supporting their products. Uh, that that's just that's just common sense. It's just smart business. So you mentioned 
cloud seeding and um it's not a conspiracy it's a legitimate program that happens in multiple states in the united states uh dri is one of the biggest companies that works with the government to do cloud seeding basically on their website dri.edu uh you can look up cloud seeding they basically say that uh, they can do it from ground-based generators or from aircrafts. Um, the cloud C DRI cloud seeding research program uses ground-based generators, which is designed built by DRI, can be operated remotely. Um, they use silver iodide to aid in the formation of ice crystals. Now they say on their website, it's not known to be harmful to humans or wildlife. This is basically it, in the aircrafts, you know, um, is this, is this the same thing? Cloud seeding? Is it the same thing as what people call chemtrails or is it different? I, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, the chemtrails, there's just so much of them. Uh, um, so what we've seen, yeah, so cloud seeding is, is kind of the legitimate, uh, programs that they're, they're doing and using them different heavy metals, you know, silver is one, uh, aluminum i know they use as well manganese is another one that's common um uh, and the the chemtrails uh, yeah the chemtrails what they're trying to do is to kind of reduce the heat or they they're trying to kind of block the sun in a way because they feel that the uh, you know, if the sun shines on us too much, you know, that that is where we're going to global warming and we want to stop that. You know, the the issue with that is that you're creating like a greenhouse effect, you know, and, and, and on earth, so to say. So you're you're blocking the sun. You, you think you're trying to protect, you know, from the heat from the sun to prevent global warming. So it is a little bit different. Those are a little different, different programs. Uh, but the issue is that, you know, the the heat that gets through just kind of bounces between the the cloud and and earth so to say create that that greenhouse effect so overall you know you, you actually increase global warming by doing it and uh, i know there's a lot of kind of controversy in regards to you know the uh, chemtrails but yeah it's if, kind you of hard if you look up notice. chemtrails they you know everybody calls it a conspiracy they say it's not true it's debunked right like so the mainstream narrative anyway is that they don't exist and it's not real. And and it's kind of hard to miss when, when you see a plane going back and forth. And uh, um, that's not normal exhaust and normal, yeah, just normal planes don't don't do that. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of an interesting story. But I will let everyone kind of get their own opinion about that. My opinion is that, yeah, yes, it's chemtrails. So um yeah, I'm curious about this silver, uh, silver iodide that they use in this um, cloud seeding program. So the cloud seeding is basically to generate more rain from clouds in drier climates. Like uh, they do it in Colorado and a number of other states in the U.S., right? That's, this is what they say what they do. I don't know enough about it. But they say silver iodide is not harmful. But I'm curious if you know anything about it. Um, I, I The little research I've done on it says exposure to large amounts of silver iodide can cause various symptoms, including 
nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, skin irritation, eye irritation, respiratory problems, and headache. Now, they're obviously claiming they're not exposed to high amounts of it, but, you know, I always question things like that when they say, oh, yeah, it's safe. You know, you're not exposed to high amounts of it. How much are they using when they go up to these giant clouds and dumping, you know, putting the silver iodide in it? They're putting like a couple little micrograms. I doubt it, right? They're probably putting very large amounts. And then what's happening with that? That's getting rained onto us, right? We're breathing it. We're, it's going in our food. It's going in our water. We're drinking it. How can they say there's no, with this kind of stuff, the problem with these kinds of programs to me, and this happens with food additives, it happens with pesticides and herbicides and fungicides. There is really no barrier of entry when it comes to proving uh, damage or real safety. There's no, like in this country, we don't have this program that says, hey, you need to prove to us that when you do this for seven years, 10 years, it's not going to cause cancer in a million people before you can implement this new chemical in our foods, you know, with this new pesticide, this new fungicide, this new herbicide. They basically do really short-term little studies um, uh, at, you know, minuscule amounts for weeks or a few months, and they go, oh, it's safe. Yeah, but what happens when you expose that in large amounts over a decade or 20 years? Does it cause cancer in millions of people? And we know that happens all the time because these products and chemicals uh, 20 years later become classified as carcinogenic. They get removed from the shelves. They say, yes, it does cause cancer. And yet that company sold that to us to billions of people around the world uh, who were taking in those products and chemicals for decades. And then now they have cancer or other chronic diseases. And what happens to that company? They just take it off the shelves. Um, if they didn't get caught lying about it, which some of them do, we know they do, uh, but if they didn't get caught lying about that they knew it would cause cancer, uh, then they just come up with a new chemical and spray it on the food. You know, so it's like, are we really, like, I can't trust these large corporations or governments or, you know, health organizations with my health and my family's health, which is why, like, I don't trust a lot of what they put out. I mean, how can you? How can you trust what they put out when they allow this stuff to happen again and again and again? Yeah, I mean, I, I, exactly. I mean, how, how when they've proven themselves to introduce chemicals and heavy metals and, and, you know, things that are extremely detrimental to our well-being, you know, it, it's been proven many, many times, you know, so why would it be different next time? And, you know, and we're looking at exactly what you're saying. We have no idea what the long-term consequence is. And it may be that the consequence does not happen in our generation, but after it, these toxins or whatever it may be concentrate, you know, from one ge generation to next generation, then maybe third generation, then all of a sudden at that time, we start to then see you know, in mutations that are, uh, you know, that, that impacts our grandchildren. You know, so it becomes important for us you know, here to draw the line now to protect our future generations and especially with things that we have no idea what the impact is and just because they they deem it safe you know they they thought tobacco was safe before they thought you know they lots of different chemicals and i can't remember which chemical it was that they did a display it, it might have been deets or something like that that they just DDT. sprayed on 
Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, yes, exactly. DDT, they yeah. had all these beautiful women, and they just sprayed all of them, and they just said, "Hey, and look children, how safe this is." Yeah, they spray exactly. the children and the women and families. They're like, "Oh, we're spray you with DDT." It's like now DDT, yeah. you know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and what happened to those women? Yes, that looked really safe. You know, they were beautiful and all of that. You know, just that one spray. But what happened next month? What happened? 10 years from then, you know, where are those people now? What's happening to their grandchildren? You know, all of that we have no idea about, you know, just because somebody says, oh, it's safe. Look, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. We have no idea about, you know, silver iodide, what it does. You know, it, it goes in the groundwater, you know, it goes into our food and we eat that food. You know, the cows eat the hay and, and then, we drink the milk and, and then gets concentrated. You know, what happens with, with that? You know, so we don't know. Well, and that's why, you know, we can take a lot of this into our own hands and make decisions for our health. I believe the closer we live to nature, the more we can avoid all, you know, so many of these problems, meaning eating real foods, whole foods, predominantly plant foods, organic as much as you possibly can, whatever problems people have with organic, we know that organic has significantly less pesticides, herbicides, fungicides in the food than conventional food. So just getting those out of my own diet, getting majority of those chemicals out of the food that I eat, I know that my body is going to be healthier because of it. It's less damage happening at cellular level. It's less inflammation. It's less cause for concern. It's less endocrine disruption. Right. So eating organic, eating real foods instead of processed foods, doing things like sauna, doing things like exercise every day, you know, doing things like uh, filtering your water and drinking, uh, getting those chemicals and, and pesticides and toxins and heavy metals out of your water. There's a lot of simple, powerful things we can do every day that will make a difference for our health. Uh, so people aren't powerless, right? It's like, well, I can't do anything about them messing with the clouds. Well, maybe, maybe you can get involved in your local government. Maybe you can write petitions. Maybe you can organize a group of people to, to stop it if you don't like it. Um, you know, so there are things we can do at a legal level and at a local level and a governmental level. Uh, but there are definitely a lot of things we can do at a personal level. You know, where we spend our money is where we're telling them what we want. So if you go out and buy processed food, high sugar food, cancer causing crap and put it into your body. Well, guess what? You're saying, hey, I want more of that. So they're going to give you more of that. Or you go out and you buy fresh fruits and vegetables and you're buying organic. Well, you're going to make it cheaper for yourself and others because where you put your money increases the demand, increases the supply. And at that point, you actually get prices to come down. The more people who are, are uh, because then you have more competitors who are growing organic, for example. So there are just uh, a lot of things we can do individually. Um, but then at the end of the day, you know, when you're living a lifestyle that is degenerative, meaning you're degenerating your body with lots of stress, lots of toxins, you know, lack of exercise, uh, you know, heavy metals, pesticides, etc. You do this for 20, 30, 40 years and you do have a cancer diagnosis or a chronic disease, well, then you can look at what other options you have to help your body fight these things naturally or using the best of 
you know, all worlds, which is what you do, integrative medicine, using the best of natural and holistic medicine, as well as, you know, conventional medicine. And so, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, and fortunately, that's when people come and see you because it's fortunately that you're there to actually help them. It's unfortunate because the person's dealing with a serious disease. Um, but it's also makes me grateful and thankful that there are people like you who have these centers that people can go to and actually take action and try and do something for themselves. Yeah. And, and it's, it's absolutely right. I mean, it, it is, it's bitter that I'm needed. Yeah. It, it's sweet that I'm able to offer assistance that's beneficial. Yeah. So, uh, and, and kind of to go back to the point, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's only so much we can do to control our environment and obviously to kind of lock ourselves in into our room and be afraid of everything out there is not a solution. Right. Uh, the, the key is to, like you're saying, is to fortify yourself. And like I was talking about, you know, we were talking about the silver iodide. So if you are nutritionally repleted, if you are nutritionally strong, uh, I was talking about this zinc and the cadmium, if you have enough of those nutrients, the body is not looking for holes to fill. Yeah, it will then recognize what it, it needs and 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 it will grab the most optimum building block to build what it needs, even though there are other choices around you. Uh, it is just that when you put yourself in that spot, when you don't have the building blocks that you need, when you're nutritionally deficient, that is when you become more impacted by these things, you know, the heavy metals, the chemicals and, and so forth uh, that you're dealing with. Um, so, so that, that becomes really important and, and then utilize these tools, you know, the natural things that, that we have to our exposure. I mean, I talked about things like cilantro and I mean, chlorella, you know, chlorella is like my favorite go-to for, I would say everybody. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's one, I mean, it's like nature's vacuum cleaner. Yeah. And, and the beauty with, if you do it, uh, and you want to do it high enough of a dose, you know, when you start, because it's going to start to mobilize heavy metal, the movement of heavy metals and chemicals. And as you're moving them, you want to make sure that you grab onto enough, you know, so you're not just kind of causing movement from one spot to another. So I, I usually like to do at least, you know, I would say 20, each little pill is like 25, 250 milligrams. And I like to do about 60 of those a day. You know, so uh, so I, I, that's kind of a minimum dosage that I'd like for an individual to do. Wait, did you uh, say so two, that, did you say two, you said two, each 250, little? Yeah, so, so 20, so before, so it'd be five grams times three, so it'd be 15 grams a day would, would be, to me, the minimum of you chlorella spread that when out? you start. Do you spread that out or take it all yeah, at once? I, I, I usually do it three times a day. Okay, so like five, so five grams you... three times a day, or 15 grams mm -hmm. three times a day. Five grams. Yeah, three no, three, five grams three times a day. And so that way you have kind of the, the chlorella in your gut, you know, that's continually kind of absorbing and, and pulling 
uh, chemicals and heavy metals and the liver will kind of recognize to see uh, there's chlorella in the gut, which means that I can push more heavy metals and chemicals into the gut because I feel safe that the chlorella is going to grab onto it and move it out of the, you know, move it out of the colon. So, and, and that's a very safe exit pathway. I mean, we can, you know, talk about the four eliminatory pathways we, we covered, you know, in regards to the sweat, but colon this is a really good, safe way to kind of clear a lot of toxic debris out. And chlorella is just a fantastic, you know, cleaner. And then obviously you can bring in things like, you know, coffee enemas. I tell my patients to, you know, do coffee enemas, you know, because it is, it's such a fantastic way to stimulate the, uh, the liver and then also to support the elimination of, of uh, toxins, you know, through the colon. Uh, but combining that with something like chlorella so that you have that binding power at the same time, you know, that, that becomes a really powerful tool. So you kind of bring in these things into your daily, uh, you know, daily routine or kind of continual routine where you, you know, recognize, yes, I'm exposed to these things, but I'm repleting myself with all the nutrients. I'm using tools to kind of mitigate a lot of things that I'm exposed to. Uh, then for the kidneys, I mean, one of the herbs that's fantastic for the kidneys is horsetail tea, uh, or another name for it is shave grass. You know, it has a lot of silica, which is great to build up, you know, good tissue integrity and uh, kind of going to cancer a little bit again. You know, cancer is is when the tissue it doesn't have the integrity enough to withstand the movement of cancer from one place to another. So if your tissue is strong and healthy, it's gonna be very hard for any kind of cancer to, to seed itself there and, and take up root. Yeah, so horsetail tea, you don't wanna do horsetail tea all the time, but to kind of bring it in maybe like for a week and you know, and I have people drink like a quart of it and, and it's just rich in silica, helps to move heavy metals out helps to move a lot of toxic debris out of the kidneys. Uh, horsetail tea, you want to simmer. You know, so if you drink a quart, you, know, you want to have at least two tablespoons and you know, maybe even four if you want to make it a little stronger. And you want to make sure you simmer it for at least 10 minutes to get that silica into the water. And then you can turn it off, you know, strain it, and can sweeten a little bit of honey if you like and, and drink that. So, so that those, those are kind of powerful tools you know, in order to be able to kind of support yourself as you're dealing with an environment that may not be conducive to health. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that you mentioned chlorella because I used to take chlorella a lot years ago and it's been a long time since I've, since I've taken it. And I literally just bought a big bag of organic chlorella tablets um, like a week or two ago and I started taking it in the morning. And it's just, I mean, it's a powerhouse. Chlorella, there, there's a ton of studies on it for immune system function enhancement, has shown to potentially help with respiratory diseases, has been shown to help reduce inflammation, it's been shown to help with blood pressure, it's an antioxidant, has been shown to help with cholesterol, um, you know, detox, heavy metals, chemicals, et cetera, like you talked about. Like chlorella is just a powerhouse. And it, it's basically just a, a type of seaweed, right? It's a single-celled algae. Um, and we know uh, yeah, yeah. cultures who have lived mm -hmm. on seaweed, Japan is a good one, for example, uh, who eat a lot of seaweed, um, are just generally, I mean, not when they're eating the standard American diet, which unfortunately has been exported to countries all over the world, but generally some of the healthiest, longest living cultures 
around the world, including like Okinawa, for example, in Japan, um, over the centuries has had some of the healthiest, longest living people and seaweed is a big part of their diet. Yeah. And, and the key when you buy chlorella is obviously make sure you get a good quality source you know, because since chlorella does absorb heavy metals, uh, so you want to make sure that it's grown in, in, a, in a good location. And what's, what's interesting, and I'm, I'm a big believer in that uh, food and, and herbs and you know, nutritional you know, living food has a an intelligence within themselves you know that as we ingest them we gain benefit and and it's kind of resetting our intelligence and, and support it's kind of like our computer gets a reboot in a way you know when when we eat and this this healthy healthy food and chlorella we know i mean it's, it's an algae that's been around you know <laughs> it's 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 one of those prehistoric type of you know foods that's been that has a lot of history so it carries a lot of intelligence within itself uh, so if you want to kind of reset your body with intelligence that had been around you know for millions of years then chlorella would help you with that you know it would have that intelligence that frequency that energy you know when when you ingest it how do you like, what do you look for when buying something like chlorella um, or let's say zeolite? Zeolite's another really great clinoptolite zeolite, which I've done a ton of research on. I've written a blog about, I've interviewed experts on it. I take it uh, most days in a liquid format. Um, zeolite's another great heavy metal detoxer. And, and because of that, it can also pull up heavy metals into it from the soil, right? Uh, probably just like chlorella that can actually pull up heavy metals. So what are you looking for? Like with zeolite, I, I buy it from a company called Touchstone Essentials because I've researched the company. I've talked to the founder. I've looked at their, um, I've looked at their reports where they actually test for heavy metals in their products. Uh, and they're very, very clean. What do you, do you have a company you like? Do you look for, what do you look for to make sure that it is super clean? Yeah. And, and, and that's, yeah, you, you got to do the research. I mean, obviously I can name off a number of companies, um, but you, you, you got to do the research exactly like what you're, you're doing, you know, where did they grow it? You know, what, what did they use? You know, some, some place, you know, sometimes you want to make sure that the cell wall is cracked. You know, do they use heat while they do it? Uh, which will then, you know, lose the integrity of the cell walls. Um, so, yeah, so those, those become, you know, really, really important, you know, to really know what is the environment like where they're growing it and and also what are the tests, exactly what you're doing, uh, what is the heavy metal content, because the zeolite, you know, since it does bind to things, chlorella, since it does bind to things, uh, you don't want to be ingesting what it has bound to, you know, prior to ingesting it. You want it to uh, bind to the things that are inside of you uh, instead of dropping off heavy metals into you. Yeah, so I know there's some companies put out their certification so you can see, you know, third-party testing, for example. That's something I often look for. So I think that's a good thing you can look for um, is, you know, trust the company if you want. But look at their certifications that have been tested by a third party to validate that they're free of, you know, chemicals and heavy metals and so forth. Uh, with, the, with the chlorella, um, when you're saying five grams three times a day, 
do now how long do you usually have people do that for before you kind of take it down a little bit and then what's kind of like a good maintenance uh, amount a good maintenance dose yeah so and and it depends kind of what where the potty where the person is at you know what kind of background do i have you know have i been an auto mechanic you know, have i been a hairdresser have i been a farmer you know what well, what has been my my exposure and for how long have i been exposed to it uh, so, so it depends a little bit on that. And also there are certain labs that you can run to see kind of what's going on. And, and I'm, uh, it's different than regular blood labs. You know, you, you have, you go to a doctor and then you say, I'm concerned that I'm dealing with, you know, mercury toxicity and then they test the blood and then they say, oh, there's really no mercury in the blood. And so, no, you don't have it, but what people don't realize is that the mercury isn't just going to be floating around in the blood, you know, all the time, the body, the body, you know, it, it, it puts it in places where it's at least damaging as possible. Uh, so uh, you won't find it in the blood. So you would need to do then like a challenge test, or you can use, you know, hair mineral can be, you know, one thing, but it's always a, a hair mineral test is not a, uh, it, it's not conclusive either. So usually it's a little bit better with like a challenge test, you know, doing like a, a DM, you know, DMPS or DMSA or EDTA or, you know, something that will kind of push some of the heavy metals that are in storage and see what's coming out. Uh, so if you see, if there's a lot there, then I would do, you know, chlorella. At, I mean, I can do that dosage at, at least for a couple months, if not three uh, and, uh, and then probably I will cut it down to like, yeah, uh, 20, 20 a day, uh, for a, a few more months. And then for maintenance dose, you know, five to 10 a day. When you say uh, 20 but, a day, uh, so you started at 15 grams a day mm -hmm. and then go down to five oh, and then for maintenance, the, yeah, five grams yeah, a day and then yeah, two and a half to yeah, probably two and a half to five, you know. It's, it's kind of a, a good, I would probably say like two and a half would be kind of a good maintenance dose if you, if you're not that concerned. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do then. <laughs> um, obviously this is not medical advice people. This is just informational only and blah, 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 blah. So take it, uh, for what you will. And if you need medical advice, uh, you can always, um, if you need health advice, you can uh, contact Dr. Carl Felt and uh, become a patient of his if you so wish. By the way, uh, Dr. Carl Felt, where's the best place for people to get in touch with you? Um, I know your book is out, which is exciting. Um, I know they can get that on Amazon, which is a better way to treat cancer. Um, a better way to treat cancer. I encourage people to go uh, look at that book. It's a fantastic book, by the way. Uh, I got an advanced copy of it a number of months back and wrote a review about it. I encourage everyone to go read that book. It's probably one of the more in-depth books of our time, backed by research about an integrative approach to cancer with a lot of solutions in there. So um, go buy that book if you have any questions about cancer. And if people have questions, they want to talk with you, visit your center, learn more. What's the best place for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, so just just go to our website, thecarlfeldcenter.com. Uh, so T H E and then Carl Felt. That's you know like the name Carl, but with a K, and then 
he felt something with DT at the end, <laughs> center.com. <laughs> Good explanation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's this comment. And uh, yeah, this this is my book. It's thick. It has a lot of information in it. And uh yeah, like like Nathan is saying, is that uh I I really wanted to give people a manual and so they could understand the whole terrain of what you know what cancer is, you know, what are the factors that's driving it, and then come with solutions, you know, how to eat, how to think, spiritual connections, you know, some you know, supplements, you know, more of the aggressive integrative therapies, you know, to have all of that in one place that people can take a look and, and really get a good comprehension of you know dealing with cancer because it it's such a scary word. And, you know, there's, there's so much information out there. So I wanted to really kind of bring uh, together the research out there and as a, in as a comprehensive way as I possibly can. And, and yes, yeah, please, please find it on Amazon and uh, read it, uh, write a review, write an honest review, what you think, you think it sucks, you know, please write that. If you think it's awesome, please write that. I think you're going to like it. I don't think anyone's going to write that it sucks. Uh, how much work you put into that. I was uh, impressed with how busy you are. I'm like, how did you find the time to even write that book? I can't believe it. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's based upon, I've been in clinical practice since 87. So it's been hundreds of thousands of, of patient interactions and 30 plus years of, of experience. So yeah. That's, That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Michael, thanks so much, man. I always love talking with you. You're such a wealth of knowledge and information and uh, incredibly helpful. You gave me some things that I'm actually going to do, especially with the chlorella. Um, and uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It's uh, great to see you again. It's, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane Podcast please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to NathanCrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them. In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth. It's like sort of a, a yin and yang. And you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort, it cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax and just breathe and be grateful what, for what you have achieved.